Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. My name is Nathan. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to, to be together to, to celebrate this holiday weekend uh, together and the work that we, all of us do, whether you get paid for it or not, uh, whether you consider yourself a worker, maybe you're in school, maybe you're retired, maybe you stay at home uh, with the kids. All of those are work, right? Uh, all of us are part of contributing uh, to God's good world, and we hope you feel blessed as we talk about these things together and look at God's word in this space. Let me pray for us, uh, and then we'll jump in to these incredible words of Paul. Father, even just hearing the, that scripture read again this morning, I feel uh, the weight of this incredible gift that you've given us, that we who are dead now live, but even, even beyond that, that, you have, that we're your workmanship, uh, created to work alongside you and with you. God, I, I pray that we would sense once again the delight of that truth, that you would reinvigorate our hearts and our imaginations, both of what you have done for us, but also what you have called and equipped us to do with you. Help us see that in this space. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So how does a dead person become a master craftsman? It's not the start of a joke, uh, actually. That's, that's really the theme of this incredible passage, these 10 verses that we just heard read. How does a dead person become a master craftsman? Now, I am not a master craftsman by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but the longer I've been a homeowner, the more I've learned how to tinker and get a few things done from, from time to time. I've, uh, we purchased our first home uh, 16 years ago. It was just a few months before we started the Olathe Campus, helped be a part of that, uh, and we've owned uh, three homes, and I have, I've counted up now. I have been a part of remodeling or building eight bathrooms in those three homes. Yeah, Kevin, thank you. I got a little clap from over there. Uh, and, you know, at the first, the first one I did, I had no idea what I was doing. It's terrible. It's awful. But by number eight, it's, it's not bad. 
I mean, I still feel completely incompetent. It stresses me out. My kids inevitably learn a few new words every remodeling project I ever do. Uh, and yet, I, you know, I've, I've grown in my competency. So let me just, let me give a picture. Here's, here's number eight, bathroom number eight. This is the before, truly the ugliest room in our house, uh, complete with weird, mysterious smell. But now, go to the next, huh? Yeah, not bad, right? Not bad. Oh, that's, uh, come on. You're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, and now, like, every time I walk into that room, and I did, I did both of these in about three months, so it was, it was all consuming every week. Every time I walk into one of them, I just, I just want to, like, I want to stay in there. I know it sounds weird, right? Don't overthink it. Uh, but I, I, I want to admire what, I, what I've done and, and the money that I've saved. And, you know, I didn't do it completely by myself. Alan helped. Uh, Cam, I think you're here somewhere. I think I saw Cam. Cam helped a little bit too. So, uh, you know, I know, I know where my competencies end uh, and others begin. Uh, but I feel, I feel such pride in my work, such accomplishment, right? And this is, this is such a normal human experience, isn't it? I mean, maybe not like remodeling bathrooms. That might not be your thing. I get it. But we all want to make something good, to do something good. And, and when we do, we want to enjoy it, and we want to invite others in to experience it with us, right? I mean, this is like the first room I show people when they come over to my house. Like, come see my bathroom, right? I mean, we, we love that. And this is like, this is universally true. You know this, kids. You know this. Like, you, you finish your artwork. You finish the little project that you're building. It's not complete until you show it to somebody. And to experience that with your parents or with someone close to you that you love, we, we want to know that our work matters. We want to make beautiful things, and we want to invite others into that satisfaction and joy. All of us do. And I, love, I love that we're talking about this, this passage in particular, on Labor Day. You know, at Christ Community, maybe you've heard us talk about this, we, we talk about wanting to be a church for Monday, not, a, not just a church for Sunday, because Sunday's the easy part, right? It's never, it's never like, easier to be a Christian than when we gather for an hour on Sunday, right? Because we're all surrounded, we're singing the songs, you got the feels, right? It's on Monday, <laughs> that's the real test, isn't it? That's the test of our faith. And so we want to be, be a church that equips you for Monday and for all of life, right? Wh- whatever you do throughout the week, whether paid or unpaid, however you contribute, to see that as part of God's work. As Christians, when you design aviation equipment for Garmin or work on medical software at Cerner, if you mentor a young person, kids, when you study for a test, when you remodel your eighth bathroom or change your 10,000th diaper, all of this is the Lord's work. It's God's work that he is doing through you in those spaces to love your neighbor and to care for our world. This is part of the good work and the good works Paul talks about here that he's prepared for us to do. This is where our scripture today is just so amazing to me. I mean, again, hearing those words, I just almost get goosebumps listening to them once, once again, this, this incredible gift that God has given us. And, you know, we're studying Ephesians, okay? We've just started this a couple of weeks ago. We're calling it Reconstructing Faith because this, this book helps us do that, to rebuild a faith. You cannot just deconstruct your faith. You cannot just deconstruct a bathroom, right? But you have to build something up in its place, and Ephesians helps us do that because it's, it's rooted in the essential truths of what it means to follow Jesus, to know him, to love him. 
But the beauty of what we see in this passage and all throughout Ephesians is that it's not just us trying to reconstruct our faith. The beauty of the gospel is that God is at work reconstructing you. And really, if you take one thing with you today, I hope it's that. God is, he's doing that work in your life already. God is at work reconstructing you. And the reason we want our work to be good and beautiful and important and appreciated is because God is a worker. And we're, we're made in his image. And the work that he's doing, the progression here, is just, it's just absolutely stunning to me. Because here, here's the answer to our big question today. Right? How does a dead person become a master craftsman? This is God's work in the life of the believer, in the life of the Christian, that God is at work reconstructing you in three ways. We see it in this passage. First, from death to life. Second, he's at work reconstructing you from boasting to receiving. And then third, from masterpiece to master craftsman. I mean, don't miss that. Like, he doesn't stop with just making you alive, as if that's not good enough, right? He wants to make you into his masterpiece, and he wants to apprentice you to become a master craftsman at whatever you do. Good work and good works. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So let's let's look at it here. Turn with me, if you haven't already, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. How does a dead person become a master craftsman? It's only through the reconstructing work of God. Look again at verse verse 1. Paul says, and you, that's us, right? He's talking to the church. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of humankind. I mean, yikes, right? I mean, it's pretty heavy there. It wasn't a good, it's not a great picture of who we were apart from Jesus. And so this, this is the first thing, right? God is at work, first of all, reconstructing you from death to life. From death to life. Now, we don't, we don't really like that, right? In fact, we do whatever we can to avoid even thinking about it. Like, the, the fact that, like, when the Bible talks about me, apart from Jesus, one of the most common ways that we're talked about without Jesus is dead. That we're dead. Okay, like, let that sink in for a moment. It's not merely sick or wounded, not simply broken or hurting or, you know, just in need of a little bit of help. I'm not that bad. I just need a little, little boost, right? Something. No. What does Paul say? You were dead. Me apart from Jesus, you apart from Jesus, we're dead. And Paul, Paul describes what he means there. He goes on, right? He says, we're dead in our sins walking in them, right? We're like the walking dead, basically. Zombies, right? Fo- blindly following the course of this world. Just whatever, whatever the culture says around us. And he, he makes it even worse, right? He says, we're following the prince of the power of the air. Essentially, okay, so the devil, right? As if he were our father and we were sons and daughters of disobedience. Enslaved to our passions, basically is what he's saying, to to our flesh, our bodies. 
un- unable to say no to our desires, no, no matter how much damage they do to ourselves or to the people around us. So much so that he says we were by nature, like don't miss this, not just, not just by the fact of the things that we do wrong, the sinful deeds, but by our very nature of who we are as sinners, Paul calls us children of wrath. All of us. Whew. It's not a great diagnosis, people. I mean, can you just imagine for a moment, like going to the doctor? Uh, some, you know something's wrong, right? You don't know what. So you, you go through like this whole battery of tests, like all the things, right? You, uh, blood tests, biopsies, CAT scans, MRIs, like you name it, you go through it. And, and the doctor sits you down. And you're like, well, okay. I mean, I know there's something's wrong, but it's probably, I just probably need like some medicine or I need, need surgery, right? I need to eat better. Uh, you know, I can afford the best medical care, so it can't be that big of a deal, right? Kind of what we do. You sit down, and the doctor says, you know what? Actually, I've got really bad news. You're already dead. Have a lollipop, right? Like, that's, that's what I imagine. imagine. Yeah, imagine that happening, right? This is, this is not what we want to hear, right? It's not what we want to hear. Like, even, even if we're willing to admit that our sin is a problem, which I think all of us are, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, you know, you know your vices and you know they're problematic at times, right? Like even if we're willing to admit that, I'm not dead. I just need to, I just need to try harder. I just need to get serious. I just need to get through this season. I just need a spouse who understands or a better boss or better education or better politics or, or better community or better friends. Like, and we end up trying to like hand a vitamin to a corpse, essentially. I wonder if this will help, right? That's what we do. Speaking of dead bodies, so we live out in the country now, uh, and our house came with two cats. Uh, two cats. They live outside for the most part. Uh, they, they stay mostly on our on our property, but they're they're, they're clearly our cats. Uh, the other day, we stepped out onto our deck and saw half a bunny. Not a whole bunny. Half one. We got a picture, actually. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I mean, to be clear, I do have pictures. I'm just not going to show them to you, okay? But this is like a regular experience in our lives now, right? We've had, we've had all kinds of dead animals. Squirrels, snakes, skinks, rats, moles, mice, birds, bunnies, bugs, like you name it. I have cleaned up so many intra- entrails, uh, and they're all different animals, but they all have one thing in common once they're dead, There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do to get out of their mess, out of their problems. They can't can't fix it. They can't try to help themselves, save themselves. Like, they can't try harder. They can't try to impress the people around them. Like, and this is how the Bible describes us. And if you're not offended by that, you're not listening. That without Jesus, you're like half a bunny on my deck. That's, That's who you are. It's offensive. That no amount of good works, no matter how hard you try, no amount of money, no matter how many people you impress or get on your side, no matter what you possibly do, you're still dead. Well, I'm not as dead as that person. No no dead person ever says that, right? Even comparison doesn't work. None of that works. Nothing can help you when you are dead. But God, verse four, right? Friends, it's like these are these are two of the most important words ever written, ever spoken, ever even hoped for. We were dead, but God, 
God being rich in mercy. Like even just like sit in that for a moment. We could do this line by line throughout this section, right? Just rich in mercy, not stingy in mercy, not frowny faced and grumpy, not like we have to come to him on on broken glass, like scraping along, trying to improve that we're sorry enough. Like that's not, that is not our God. He is rich with the stuff. He, he overflows with mercy. When we come to him as his children, he is so eager to pour it, pour it out. He has nothing left for you but joy and affirmation, delight in your presence because he is rich in mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I love how emphatic Paul is there, right? Not, not because we're good enough, right? Not sorry enough or lovable enough, simply because of his great love with which he loved us, right? That he made us alive together with Christ. It's like what Paul is saying there is like when, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he also raised us with him. That we're, we're in, we were in that tomb in, our, in the deadness of our sins, and we've been made alive there with Jesus. That even now, if you're with him. God is at work reconstructing you from death to life. Man, we could just stop there, couldn't we? Just go home. That feels really good, right? Death to life. It's incredible. But how, do, how does that happen? Because Paul doesn't want us to be unaware of how to get into that position of going from death to life. Well, that's, that's the second thing. This is where Paul goes next. That we have to move from boasting to receiving. That's the second thing. God is at work reconstructing you from boasting to receiving. Because, again, we're, we're in denial that we're dead, right? I'm not dead yet. I feel happy. Like, that's, that's kind of that's how we are. And so we try, to, we try to fix ourselves, right, through success or power, acceptance or love. I mean, through pleasure, accumulation, like, you, you name it. Good works, comparing ourselves to others. All of that is boasting, okay? All of that. I mean, if you want to know, like, boasting, like, that's not a word we use very often. Boasting, when Paul uses it, when the Bible uses it, it's, it's, boasting is like the stuff that we look at to tell us that we're okay. That, that's, that's the idea of boasting. It's like whatever you look at to prove that you're a decent person, that you can feel good, that you can just go to sleep at night, like, all of that is boasting, right? And you, what, like, religious people do it, non-religious people do it, it doesn't really matter. Like, all of us have that tendency. We want to prove that we're okay. But none of that can raise the dead. There's not a single thing in your life, in my life, that I can look to, no matter how good it seems, no matter how big it seems, that can raise the dead. I may boast in it, but it is empty when it comes to raising the dead. Verse 4 again, but God, and skip down a little bit, but God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Again, like he's not stingy with grace, like immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so how are we reconstructed? Well, Paul tells us it's by grace through faith, right? By grace through faith. And grace, by definition, is not something we can earn. 
It's the free, undeserved gift of God, and you cannot boast about a gift. You can't take credit for a gift. All you can do with a gift is receive it or reject it. My daughter, Eden, she's become quite the seamstress. She can disappear into her craft room uh, and emerge hours, days, sometimes weeks later. Sometimes we don't see her for ages on end. Uh, and she comes up with something like truly beautiful. She's made a quilt, a dress, different, I mean, all kinds of different things, right? And, and Kelly and I, we have zero skill in this area, right? So she just, she just like has an idea and she comes up and she, she brings it up to us and shows us. And occasionally, she'll make something for her, her wonderful father. It's very nice. I, I appreciate it. But like imagine in that scenario, like she's just poured her, poured her heart out, her creativity, her energy, all of this work out to make something for me. Imagine me boasting in it. Well, I bought you this sewing machine, right? Well, I'm such a good dad, I kind of deserve it, right? Like imagine that. Like even imagine if I tried to pay her for it. I mean, she'd probably take the money. Uh, but it'd be insulting, right? This is, you don't do this with gifts. You cannot boast in it in that way. It'd be insulting, with gifts, especially the best gifts, right? You either receive them or you reject them. And if you boast, you boast in the giver, just like I was doing about my daughter, right? You don't, you don't boast in yourself, you boast in the one who gives. And this, this is, again, this is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from every other religion, every other worldview, every other attempt to, to live your life is about proving it. Showing yourself that you're good enough, strong enough, right, capable enough, whatever it is, enough. And yet with, with Jesus, you don't, you don't have anything to prove. It's completely free. He has done it all for you. All you need is the faith to receive the gift. To hold out your hands and trust that you have it. This is how you move from death to life. And again, this, this would be enough, wouldn't it? I mean, how good would God be if he left it there? But he goes, he goes still further. Because we're not just alive, we're his masterpiece. Don't miss this. And, and not just his masterpiece, we're his master craftsman. This is, this is the last thing. God is at work reconstructing you from masterpiece to master craftsman. Look, look how he ends this section in verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I, I found one source that said that that word workmanship can actually be translated as poetry. For we are his poetry. It's pretty cool, isn't it? That you and I, in Christ, we are, we are, we are God's work of art. Like we, we are his, his masterpiece. You are God's remodeled bathroom, Okay? I know it's kind of weird to say it like that, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I take so much pride and joy in the things all of us do, the things that we accomplish, and to imagine from, like, I walk in there, like, I want to show people my, pet, my chest, chest puffs out a little bit, like, I can't help but smile. Like, do you believe that that's what God does when he sees you? When he sees what he's made of you? That you are his child, that when he sees you, it's not as, oh man, I'm so disappointed in you. If you had only made better choices, that's what we feel. That's what we think he's going to think about us. But no, it's like, you are my work of art. Because he doesn't just see us as we are. He sees us who we were and who we are. 
and who we will be one day forever. He already sees that. He knows that's true about you. You are his masterpiece. And not just that. We're not just a piece of art that he puts on the shelf to look at us from time to time. This is where he builds. He invites us actually to join him in that work. That we get to apprentice with the master craftsman of all. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That our our master craftsman, right, the one who made the universe, who invented laughter and love, the redwoods, the beaches, right, mountains, all of that, those are his idea. The master craftsman wants to apprentice you, and he invites you into his workshop to join him in his work. Right, created for good works, prepared beforehand by God himself that we should walk in them. Like, follow, follow that, right? God is a worker. He's always been working. He's been working on you, and now he wants you to work with him. And this has been his plan, Paul says, from the very beginning. His plan for you, if you're one of his followers, is to apprentice you in that work. And so here's the question. Have you joined God there? Have you joined him in his workshop? Have you joined him as his apprentice in his work? Now, now, I know sometimes, sometimes when we hear that, we automatically think of, like, the churchy stuff, right? Good works. Uh, and so we think of, like, you know, the, do I give to the poor? Do I serve at church? Am I nice to my neighbors? Do I care for the sick? Do I share my faith? And absolutely, Paul means those things. I don't, don't, don't mishear me. He certainly does. But often we, we stop there. Like, that, that's God's work, right? That's all that God really cares about, those, those things. And we, we think of our good works more like spiritual hobbies, right, that we engage in for a couple hours a week, kind of like we've been sentenced by God to community service, right? That's kind of how we, for honest, kind of how we think about it. Again, it's not less than those things. Everyone should serve in that kind of work. But the story of God and his work of reconstructing us and reconstructing our world is so much bigger than that. It's not just good works. It's good work. It's the, way, it's the ways in which we are invited to serve God day in and day out. The things that people see or don't see, you get paid for or don't get paid for. However you spend the majority of your time, that's, that is the work that you're doing in, in reconstructing our world and bringing joy and beauty and goodness into people's lives. All of that is part of these works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Because we miss sometimes that work was always part of God's design. We, think, we don't think that way, right? We think, well, work is broken, right? And it is. Let's, let's not be Pollyanna here. Um, but Adam and Eve worked in the garden. Like, think about that. God invited them in to be co-creators of planet Earth with him, to cultivate and keep his world. And even in the new creation, right, when, when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom, it, it's not like we're just going to be floating around on clouds playing harps. That we work there as well, that we will work then. And so now, in the meantime, even now, even now, right in our broken world, we have the opportunity to join God in his work of reconstruction in whatever you do. Serving him, learning from him, knowing that he's in those places with you, those difficult meetings or conversations, those places of discomfort, or when you don't know what to do next. That he's there with you. And he wants to help you. He wants to love you. He wants to care for you in those spaces. So do you, do you see your work? 
in that way, as if you're in God's workshop working alongside him? What would, what would change if you did? I mean, just imagine for a moment with me, like, imagine if you actually viewed yourself as God's masterpiece, first of all. Like, God took that much joy and delight in what he has made you already and what he intends to make you forever. I mean, think about what that would change, and then to imagine that God is actually invited in all of those spaces, that you are learning from the master craftsman, that he has prepared good work and good works for you from, from beforehand, that you could walk in them. God is at work reconstructing you. From death to life, from boasting to receiving, and from masterpiece to master craftsman. Imagine if we lived like it. Let's watch a quick story from members in our congregation living this out together. Let's watch. Sometimes you lose track of, um, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And I have those moments when I just, I, I can't see, I lose sight of the patients that we're trying to help. In September of 2017, I was diagnosed with a rare condition that um, completely rocked my world. A while ago, when we joined the church, we attended the first service and sat behind us was a lovely couple who we got to know because we'd turn around and talk at the end of a service and, and learn a little bit about their family and their jobs and their life at Christ Community. So I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for 25 years. Uh, so what we do is help bring these new medications and treatment options to patients that have various conditions and disease states. It's one of those highly regulated industries with tight timelines, and that work is stressful, probably a, a lot like yours as well. I don't know how we got into conversation, but I was probably wearing a mask in church before the days of everyone wearing a mask. And Bart had asked me, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? So I was in one of those uh, moments, call it a valley of despair a few years back. I was praying that God would help me through this, uh, you know, try to help rediscover that renewed sense of meaning in my work. Um, and he provided just one random Sunday morning uh, a conversation with Mike and Joe Barr, and we discovered that Joe was fighting uh, one of these rare medical conditions with, with few treatment options. I had just been told about a month before that my disease was recurring and that I needed to go back into treatment. And walking out of the ASH um, Wednesday service, they came towards us and he saw my mask again and asked, how are you doing, what's going on? And I said, well, I've had a recurrence and I'm back in treatment. And he obviously said, sorry to hear that. What are, what are you taking? And of course, miracle of miracles and God's work and the amazing connection that he had made, it was the drug, the actual drug that Bart had been working on all these years. But I do just remember, you know, those emotions of thankfulness for that immediate sense of purpose that God provided. You could really see God's hand in that moment. We don't know the impact of our work as we do it on a daily basis. It does matter, and it matters that Bart was doing what he was doing, even if he was getting discouraged because he hadn't seen any results or 
hadn't had any real encouragement. And then God comes along and says, well, I'll show you some encouragement. Here's something that you can see that is a reason why your work matters.